Here's hoping your glass is half full of Jack Daniels. What's the best way to drink Jack Daniels? Company. Company. Conversation. Because every bottle's a member. Have a short snort and call an Uber. Because today on Jack Daniels Presents, This Life Ain't For Everybody, Chad is joined by Casey Nelson from Brown Foreman. Let's talk about whiskey. Let's talk about American whiskey and more specifically bourbon Tennessee whiskey. Plus, good friend Chris Todd with Breakthrough Beverage Group. People really wanted to get back to that authenticity and I think that's really where the relevance of Jack Daniels comes in because it's American owned. And the intrepid Mike Aaron from Athens Distributing. Over my 35 years in the business, I've done 250 selections in Lynchburg. So grow a beard, chase your dreams, and don't let a single day slip away where you don't enjoy some of that smooth Tennessee sour mash whiskey. Now, here's Chad, Casey, Chris, and Mike. Do you, um, the whole deal with us teasing each other back and forth, Casey, about the Crocs, and I give you crap about them all the time, and then you intentionally brought them to Canada. Is it something that has gotten to the point to where it is intentionally yes. to mess with me, or do you really like this type of shoe? As a loyal and avid listener of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, sponsored by Jack Daniels, I couldn't help but notice your last podcast where you blasted the Crocs, so I specifically busted these bad boys out to come up to Saskatchewan and make sure that uh, they made it a pair. You do enjoy Crocs that you like it? Hey, when you're backpacking on an elk hunt, they're nice and light, they're great camp shoes, so make fun of them all you want, but they got some value. Oh gosh. The reason I brought up Crocs, <laughs> the reason I brought them up is because there's not one other person in camp or anywhere that I've ever. That's incorrect. There's actually one more pair out there. One of the guides has a pair. For real? Yeah. Yeah, I think you would Jared's. What do you think of CT? You wouldn't wear these clothes. Would wear those Crocs now. Would Would you like? I'm old school. Uh, you know, I'm leather, laces and leather. You know, <laughs> so you actually have to bend over and tie your shoes. Yeah, which is my point about Crocs. They're the They're the lazy shoes of America. Well, if you're in two wheel drive, but if you put them in four wheel drive, you know, they got a little bit more traction. So, do you wear the thick socks with them, or I am this week. Just like it's 30 so degrees outside. Oh, pun. <laughs> uh, so you wear the thick sock, and so you're the Generation X, you know, kind of guy. <laughs> Far from it. <laughs> no, I think that it's is it Generation Y. I, I respect them as a brand. I really do. I don't want X Y Z. There ain't many left. <laughs> I don't want. You, I don't want you to think that I don't respect them as a brand. But I just, I, I can't. they're publicly traded. They crush it. Oh, they crush it. It's but it's unbelievable that. It's a certain demographic that wears their heels. I, I saw they got a pair that now has a heel in the back. You should get a pair. I saw Anna V's got a birthday coming up, right? Anna V's birthday is tomorrow. Ooh. I sent her a birthday present. I've been trying. I've tomorrow. been trying to get two inches on my height. So I was like, if I could get a little bit taller, why would you, you get know? two inches on your height? Well, I really because I want to be that much taller than my wife. She's five two. And I was like, if I can get to six, only five two, if I can get to six four, it'd be, it'd be in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife was a gymnast. Oh, yeah. So she trained under Bella Corolla, which was crazy. And we got videos. So every year we watch this video of my wife actually wiping out at nationals when she only needed a seven on the uneven bars. And she totally went sideways and missed the mat. And breaks her nose and her arm and messy a limp. And you watch it? And so we watch that video every Christmas Eve. Hey, all it is. We we it's it's the best video ever. And I mean, and, and I was like, 
By the way, you were beautiful when you were 14. You know? <laughs> and she's sitting there and she's going like this. And my father-in-law goes, holy. And, and then everything goes blank, right? So this is not good. And like, there's a, you know, the last part, like, so are like, bam, I just hit the gym floor and this hurts really bad. So she's sitting there and, and my father-in-law's like, you know, the, the screen goes blank and my wife's like, I need a magnet. I'm going to delete it. And my father-in-law goes back. We show it, and then we lock it up in the safe. And he's like, you're not getting that. Can't touch this. Done. Done. <laughs> it's so funny. And she gets so mad. I was like, I can't believe I'm not divorced yet. I mean, it's like that bad. Christmas. But we, 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 we laugh every year. Christmas tradition. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee. Hey, it's like Hank Williams Jr. It's family tradition, right? You know, it's just like family tradition. <laughs> Get on me, Noah Hank. Why do you drink to get drunk, Hank? Why do you blow smoke? <laughs> and then why did you show that video that your wife got it on? CT, do you have any family traditions? None like my man Mickey here. I, I, I can't compete with this guy right now. So no traditions. I don't really have great family traditions, to be honest with you. You don't. Yeah. Are you a holiday guy? Do you? You live in Arizona, so Arizona is a golf state, but it's got unbelievable hunting, elk hunting, antelope hunting. Yeah, some of the biggest mule deer in the world. Um, great fishing in spots. Got great quail hunting. You can chase the Eurasian widgeon there, and if you're a waterfowler, um, you got the coos deer in South Tucson, down by the Sassabe Mexico border, and then you got spring training. I mean, there's so much cool stuff in Arizona. But my favorite time of year is the fall. Well, most people that live in cold areas, like I love, I thrive in the cold. I love being in Wisconsin in January. I love ice fishing, whatever it is. But a lot of people go to where you live year round and they winter there. They call them snowbirds or right, whatever. Right. Um, do you consider this your the best time of the year? Because as a waterfowl hunter, when those leaves start to change and Halloween and Thanksgiving, Christmas time, it's it's easily the best time of the year to me. I love all seasons, but is it your favorite time of year? I do. I love the fall. Being from New England, fall is my favorite time of the year. You know, rugby, football, hockey season starting. Having not hunted before, it never occurred to me, you know, that the hunting season started in the fall as well. But love the smell of the leaves, you know, just the whole thing about the fall. You know, back when I was a child, you could burn your leaves. I love that smell, you know, things like that. Is, uh, what's the most common tree up in your area where you grew up? Is it maple? Probably maple, yeah. Yeah. Maple. So I was thinking that because that will, if that burned, that would smell really nice. I mean, it'd be like pancakes. Yeah. Maple. I mean, a pine on the cane, too. Yeah. On a pine. Yeah. A lot of pine in there. I mean, that, I mean, to me, that's beautiful. I love the smell of pine. Yeah. Maple. Cut I mean, and cooking with it's good, too. Like, you know, maple syrup, you can do some things. You can glaze redfish with it. Or burning maple wood. You know, maple wood. And smoking some ribs. I mean, kind of salmon. nice. Salmon. Yeah. Salmon. Salmon and maple was a recipe we talked about last night, actually, which was one of the guys told me maybe, you know, I think I was talking to Ray, and Ray said I glaze a salmon with maple syrup, yeah. and then he kind of hits it, and it, it finishes on there, and it's really nice the way it does it. You know, it takes some of that game taste out of salmon. Yeah. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a huge Staying on the New England train, I'm a big seafood guy. I love the lobster rolls over there. I'm just not a big cook salmon guy. Unless this is going to sound tacky, but unless I cook it, like I very rarely like it. And I become so 
critical of say I love raw salmon, like you know, real fresh raw salmon at a sushi bar, yeah. sashimi or nigiri. But I'm a big halibut guy. I love halibut, but there's something about cooked salmon that all I don't know if it's so easy to dry it out, and most people don't get it at the right temperature. Yeah. I like crispy skin on it. Like I love salmon skin hand rolls with seaweed and stuff like that. Yeah. Salmon cooked salmon is messed up. Why would women flock to salmon? I mean, they, they're like, oh, because it's supposed to be healthy, right? Well, halibut's delicious. Yeah. You know, now it's less available. Yeah, but it's harder but to find the, halibut. When, when halibut's in season, you know, like you can blacken some halibut and I'll serve it over like some cream corn or cheese grits. Yeah, I'd say and, halibut's and when the that, number one. When that, uh, white fleshy fish. You know, when they, yeah. you know, when the blacken hits that corn and you do it right or it hits the, uh, the cheese grits, it adds that flavor and it's just kind of easy to eat. And it's, you know, but on salmon, on the but I'm not right. saving calories. I mean, by the time I cook it, it's not going to be good for you, right? But it's great tasting. And that's what Southern food is. On the Traeger app, there's a salmon recipe. It's super simple. It's Bakken's, which is like a Japanese yeah. barbecue sauce. Yeah. Hit it with that. I think they recommend like an oak type wood. Uh, I can't remember the temperature, mid 200, something like that. But that fin and feather rub, phenomenal. My wife and kids absolutely love it. I love it. We have a, an ongoing argument because I travel a lot, which you do too. You travel more than I do. But in the South, it's the crappie, and a lot of guys choose, and women choose the bluegill. Yeah. What's the Southern term for a bluegill? Uh, brim. 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 Um, yeah, brim. But up north, like when you're in Minnesota, Wisconsin, it's, it's walleye, right? And then you got the perch. So, what would you guys say? Like, I'm talking like the best white fish in the world, but it's salt water is the halibut, in my opinion. I, but if you can't get halibut and you can get a yellow perch or you can get a halibut or you could get a crappie and catch 30 of them in a day and go fry them up or pan fry them. I'm not a big beer batter guy and I'm definitely not a breading guy. Right. I don't like breaded fish. I like fish. Yeah. Or, or and then you have the bluegill or the brim. Like, is there an argument in your guys' mind of those two? To me, it's walleye. It's walleye. Walleye is my favorite by far. Yeah. We're, we're here recording this in Canada, right? Over 30 years ago, I made my first trip to Canada, northern Quebec, my grandfather, on a fishing trip where we caught big northern pike and walleye. And that's when I was first introduced to it. Now, I live in Kentucky. We don't get walleye. You're right? Well, the water's way too warm. Yeah. I, mean, I, I say, I mean, we're, we're brown, crappie, and bass. Or predominant fish in our area, and big bass. And I, and here's the thing: like you catch big bass, I, I throw all of them back unless I'm catching like one pounders because bass meat stuff. But if you're catching brim and crappie, crappie's the best eating fish. And it to me, like I'm flaying that out, and then I'm a lightly fried. It's yeah, you two, can't overdo it. It's two minutes. It's it's a minute. If you got an outdoor fryer and you're cooking on a propane gas grill and you and I drop it in the basket, it literally takes like a minute and it's perfect. And you pull it out. I mean, fish cooks that quick. It's just that good. But it is cholesterol wise horrible for you. Not good for your heart, but it tastes great. Right? If you have to go. If you have to pick your seafood, being from a the seafood's prominent where you're from. I mean, you're not far from Maine. Yep. You're right there in New England. You got the house, the home of the lobster roll. You got Cape Cod. I've eaten lobster rolls all over from Fenway to all of the different fish houses around. Great sushi in Boston. Oh, yeah. Um, what do you, are you a fish guy? I do. I love cod. I love scrod. I love steamers. Steam clams are like one of my favorite. Oh, I love steamers. That's classic New England love right there. Steamers, yeah. <clears throat> I love steamers even more so than lobster. So I'll tell you a great story. 
I was sitting there. First time I really ever had lobster, I was young in the business, and I was up in Boston for Wine and Spirits Convention. And I told my uncle Bubba, and I said, uh, I'm going to get the lobster. And, well, they brought this thing cooked out. You know, it's this big. And I was like, I didn't really understand what I ordered. But it was kind of funny because I was trying to crank this thing open, and I was like, dang, gummit, I can't get it. You know, this thing's really – and I went, wham. I was like, I gave it some force, and I was like, where'd the meat go? And, and my Uncle Bubba looked at me, and he goes, right here. And I hit him in the forehead with this hunk of lobster meat. And, he, and I was like, I thought I was going to get fired, and I was a partner, right? So this is not good, right? You know, it was it was kind of funny, but I was like, by the way, from now on, every time I've had lobster sense – would you teach all that for me? Yeah, you think that's not when, you, when you watch these Sam Adams commercials, and I know that we're talking spirits on this trip a lot, you know, that's my cousin, right? Yeah. And, like, the new one is kind of funny about how Boston – what do you call somebody from Boston? Bostonian? Bostonian. Okay, yeah. the Bostonians are being nice to each other. Yeah. Oh, you take the parking spot. And the guy's, like, yeah. so surprised. They say yeah. something. Yeah. It's like Boston softened up or whatever. Is it really like that? I mean, I've been there enough. You talk – when I think of, like – the worst football fans in the world, I think Philadelphia. Yeah. When I think of the worst baseball fans in the world, I, like mean. I'm not saying they're not bad, good people. They're yeah. just they're mean to the yeah. opponent. They're mean. If you wear a jersey in the Philly stadium, you're getting in a yeah, fight for sure. You know, as the as the opposing team. So, what is Boston really like? Are they are they mean people? Not mean people. I mean, I think everybody from New England, even down in New York and Connecticut, and around, they all have a little edge because they have harsh winters, right? I think that makes people a little edgy. It's a little faster paced out there. I definitely feel like I. Not softened, but took it down a few notches after living in the West. I've lived in Colorado. I've lived in Arizona. But when I see people visit New England, particularly Boston, people love the city. And they all come back and say, everybody was so friendly. I was with a buddy of mine a couple of weeks ago, and him and his wife took a trip up to New England. And they were in, like, Maine and Vermont and New Hampshire. And they said, everywhere we went, people said, we want to buy you a drink. You're from Arizona. That's crazy. You know, what are you doing out here? And so they had nothing but glowing reports about Boston and then up in through New England and the hospitality that they received up there. Before we get off of Boston, let's you're a sports guy, but I don't think you play you said lacrosse, wrestling. No, I'm I played football and ran track in high school and then I played rugby in college. Rugby, okay, it's rugby. Um, let's talk Bill Buckner. I've hunted with Bill. Oh no, he's cast, but yeah. um eighty six World Series, Boston, New York match. Ground ball. I mean, if it's not for Bill Buckner, they're not in the series, right? But we all know the Indians yeah. play, right? Yeah. Death threats. Like, I know. Yeah. Were you living in Boston at that time? No. You know, it's funny. I was living in New Jersey at that time. I was working for Brown Foreman, and I had some buddies. That was 86, it was, right? Yeah. So I graduated college in 84. So I was still fairly fresh out of college. I had some buddies working on Wall Street. So I went into downtown Manhattan. I was at the White Horse Saloon. I'll never forget. I was at the White Horse Saloon Been there. for game six, and we're drinking and we're watching TV and all the Yankee fans in there are getting depressed. And we're like, ice down the champagne. And there was quite a few New England people. And they were like, this is amazing. The South should be able to finally do it. They're going to, you know, reverse the curse. And we're all fired up. And then all of a sudden, you know, someone gets on with Billy Buckner. That was a ball. Oh, yeah. The, the Billy Buckner amazing. thing, you know. And, and the, of course, then we took all the grief from the Yankee fans. And interestingly enough, a buddy of mine, really good friend of mine from high school, he went to Fairfield University. And his friend had worked for the Mets and the Yankees. And so he called me up. I'm sitting at home. Maybe there was a couple of rain out days in between game six and seven. 
Cubs whips, he'd say, CT, what are you watching the game? I said, I don't know, I'm on my couch here in uh, Jersey. I guess meet me in front of gate A5, Shea Stavia. Like, really, you have four tickets. Me and uh, Roger are coming down. So two of my good buddies from high school. Oh, that's I awesome. I take the train over to Shea Stadium. We meet this Yankee fan, Fernie. His nickname was Fernie. The four of us go to the game. My buddy, Teddy Duggan, classic guy, he, he, he'd be a good drinking buddy with you. He goes up to the concession at, at Shea and he says, give me six beers. And the guy throws the six beers in the thing. And he turns around and says, you guys getting anything? <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how the, the night went. And, and, you know, the Red Sox lost. And we had to listen to the Let's Go, Mets Go chants. And we were staying at the Mar Marquee in, in Times Square. And that's when Times Square was a nasty kind of place, you know. And uh, Yeah. But we had a good time, and I had to take the train home the next day to Jersey, listening. They were still saying, let's go, Mets go, and they painted the the orange and blue stripe down Fifth Ave. I'll never forget it. But, uh, yeah, that, so I remember that 86 World Series very, very well because I was in a bar in Manhattan on Game 6 and went to Game 7. Isn't it cool, Casey, when you think about the brand that you guys represent with Jack, how many touch points it has? And you always say that what you're saying for who drinks Jack? So it's from LDA to DND, legal drinking age to damn near dead, <laughs> from bikers to bankers, and from fine establishments to questionable joints and everywhere in between. To questionable joints. So the touch points that you just named just now, right? You got the baseball. Yeah. We just talked about baseball. You got the right. suits and those establishments. You got it in, you know, obviously an on premise and you got it in wholesale or, I mean, in, you know, grocery. And Jack Daniels is phenomenal brands. Like, Eric may mention today, it's one of the top 50 most recognizable brands in the world, let alone the spirit industry, which it's number one in that. Then you go into, you got tons of music contacts. So you, Jack Daniels is everywhere. That's such a cool brand. You can't really say that about a lot of brands. I guess there's some, you could say, you know, like Anheuser-Busch is probably in, in, in you know, what, whoever owns it, you know, InBev or whatever is like, they have some very recognizable brands that are synonymous with a lot of things. But the touch points that JD touches, the where I'm going with this is Lynchburg, right? I want you to talk right. about this is that every, I, I never, ever quit thinking about every drop of this brand. Yeah. Like I went in Fort Collins and I hung geese up there in Colorado. There's a Budweiser brewery there. You there's go to St. Louis. There's a Budweiser brewery there. There's like nine of them in North America, I think, maybe more. But there's only one Jack Daniels. So every drop in 167 countries or whatever is made in Lynchburg, Tennessee. By the same people, like these employees of 30, 40 years, 10 yep. years, right? Talk to, generational. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about where I'm going with that of like all those touch points, touches 167 countries. Yep. And Lynchburg is so small. It's a dry county. Yep. And like the barbecues there this weekend, which we touched on a bit, you, you have, there's a lot of things that go on at Barbecue Hill. That's pretty cool that all of those touch points and that big of a, 167 countries comes from one little area of Tennessee. You're cutting it short. It's over 170 countries, but uh, 170 your countries. point holds holds true. And I think that's one of the things that makes this brand so incredibly unique. And like you said, there's a lot of amazing brands that are out there. But um, at the end of the day, you're at this small town, South Central Tennessee, that's been making whiskey for over 150 years. They know that this brand has transcended whiskey. It's transcended beverage alcohol. It's become right. globally iconic brand all throughout the world. Yet they wake up every day the same way they did the previous day and they show up and pour their heart and soul and their pride into making this brand. And they know what it means to be a part of it. And so um, there's very few communities in the world that you can go into and feel as immediately welcomed and feel the sense of pride 
and passion that they pour into their work. Uh, and so, like we talked about earlier, right now in Lynchburg, um, any minute now, we're crowning the world barbecue champion. Yep. And so, there's probably upwards of 40,000 people in Lynchburg. Right now, a town with one stoplight is loaded with people from around the world. In great smells. And amazing. Uh, salad, mash, and barbecue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whiskey and barbecue. Don't think about it that. Do you, you made mention, I think, that you have done 200 barrel tastings? I've done, actually, in person at Lynchburg. 250 selections of single birds. So you've traveled to Lynchburg, Tennessee, 250 different times. Actually, well, sometimes we were picking out multiple barrels, which was beautiful. But over my 35 years in the business, I've done 250 selections in Lynchburg, and I did over 125 with Goose. And Goose was one of the most iconic people there outside of the master distiller that told a great story that that educated you on the bourbon and the whiskey of jack daniels and lynn tolly lynn's a fabulous lady i would go in at mary bobo's just to see her and talk to her because she was a jack daniels descendant was iconic to be able to do that as a now i'm a distributor so i was taking customers there and doing things but the way Jack Daniels treats you from the time you walk onto the property till the time you leave, you are welcome. And they treat you like, like you're the best person in the world. And so coming up here to Buck Paradise and being with Grant and his family and get to meet his family and hang out with his wife and, and his daughters and everybody and seeing everybody here, it's kind of the same experience because you go to the middle of nowhere and hang a right or a left and you're at this awesome place all of a sudden and you get to be with great people. People I've never met before welcomed me here and they welcome me at Lynchburg. And, it, you know, I may be a rock star in Lynchburg, but I was not a rock star in Canada. And I, I came up here to Buck Paradise and I was treated like a rock star and people have been great to me. So the whiskey that they make in Lynchburg and being in Buck Paradise are two great iconic things that are two totally different businesses. Why is there such a romance with whiskey? And you guys can all talk about that, but and we've talked about this before. It, I don't even know if cigars have it. Maybe wine. I don't know if romance is the right word with wine, is it? I don't know if there's a romance with wine like there is with whiskey. There is, yeah, with some people. Absolutely. But there's it's a story. It's a story. Like there's a story in every bottle, whether you're talking about wine and its country of origin and its terroir and who the winemaker is and what vintage and which single block or whatever. There's a depth that goes into it to the yeah, wine business. Yeah. I think I agree actually, with that. there's a parallel to. And I think it transcended into bourbon, uh, uh, no doubt, because Casey, to your point, I mean, look, it's an occasion. So spirits are meant to be the occasion. Mine's an occasion. When we do all these things, duck hunting and deer hunting and hunting in general is an occasion. It's an enjoyment. It's if we're lucky enough to do it and you can afford to do it, you know, but you you go out and you're having fun with your friends. And then it's a discussion. And the discussion is awesome. Right. 
So that whiskey leads into the discussion. By the way, I love the way this has a little caramel on it, a little nut on it, or I love the way this peanut of the war has a little bit of this on it. You know, it's got that fruit forward, or I like the little tannings on it. You know, it starts something that leads people to be friends. So what's Kevin Sanders say? You conversation. Yeah, well, goes best. What's the best way to drink Jack Daniels? Company, company, conversation. It, because it, every bottle's a member. Yeah, and I'll add just a little bit to that. I think that people were looking more for authenticity in handcrafting things, you know, versus these mass-produced brands like vodka. You know, no taste. It just everybody had wanted to get back to that authenticity, and I think that's really where the relevance of Jack Daniels comes in because it's American-owned. It's an American iconic brand and that authenticity and like they know that real people work there and make it at a real place. And that's important to people these days versus just some factory in Kansas right. pumping out a or MSG's in Indiana, you know, they they produce mass produced bourbon and some of these small producers, they start out and they buy barrels. Well, Jack Daniels makes their barrels, makes their whiskey, and everything is from start to finish. Done by Brown Foreman. With materials that's right there at the display. And, re- and they recycle all their materials. They sell their barrels off to Kiva producers. They sell barrels off, well, sometimes to themselves with Herodura, <laughs> which is a great product, and El Nimador, which are an awesome product. But you, when you talk about the American whiskey business recycles itself, and the good producers do that. Jack Daniels does that very well. Everything they do recycles through the community. So would you guys have in my Casey in my I'm no I, that, I, I, absolutely would you guys look at somebody weird if they would have poured a vodka drink this week no so what is all. then what is it about the whiskey though that makes it the experience the celebration you don't see us coming in here like I I guess it's preference okay I guess but I don't know a lot of people that have that romance with that gin or that and you guys are probably can't talk about this because you represent a lot of well, none can, experience. but but Jack Daniels romance, and I know there's the bourbon trail. Yeah. There's such a romance with Jack. I, to, that, to me, okay, let's before we get into Jack Daniels, let's talk about whiskey. Let's talk about American whiskey, and more specifically, bourbon, Tennessee whiskey. It's a highly regulated spirits subcategory. There are very specific rules that uh, legislate how we can produce our products. Yeah, for bourbon. Same, for set, sure. same set of rules, but yet you have hundreds and hundreds of brands out there. So how do you have a handful of rules that everybody starts with, yet you end up with hundreds of different products? There's a discovery in this industry. There's a discovery around, oh, I taste this. My taste buds taste something different. You discuss that. I think when you talk about other categories, there's maybe a little bit more leeway. You can add things to them. It doesn't make them inferior products. They're highly successful. There's a ton of people that drink vodka, tequila, a whole wide range of other things. But whiskey has gone through this amazing renaissance. It's America's spirit. It's been around uh, more hundreds and hundreds of years, um, and it just continues to evolve. You're listening to Jack Daniels Presents This Life Ain't For Everybody. We're going to break here for a few commercials. Thank you all very much. Celebrate the 90th anniversary of the end of Prohibition with America's favorite whiskey, Jack Daniels. Whiskey has gone through this amazing renaissance. It's America's spirit. It's been around hundreds and hundreds of years, and it just continues to evolve. Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody is brought to you in part by the provider, Jack Links, Napa Valley Olive Oil, and Oakley Sunglasses. Chad and the boys will return after the break. Stick around. 
Hey everybody, you know, we are a huge fan of Jack Daniels, not just their product, but their mission, their culture, Lynchburg, Tennessee, the people. And we want to introduce you to the Jack Daniels Single Barrel Program. Join us at jackdaniels.com and learn about the Single Barrel Program, visiting Lynchburg, Tennessee, participating in a barrel tasting, a whiskey tasting, picking your favorite flavor, whether it's the burn in your mouth, whether it's the maple, whether it's the different combination of flavors that you are going to experience in each of the distinct bottles of Jack Daniels Single Barrel. You're going to be able to choose the best one, your favorite one, and purchase that entire barrel. It all comes bottled in individual single barrel bottles. You get your own hanging name tag, brand tag, your logo on it. You can give them away as gifts. Go knock on the door of a landowner and say, thank you for letting me hunt your field. There's so many options with the Jack Daniels Single Barrel Program. We're proud to be part of it. We have introduced it to so many of our friends and family across the country, whether it was at a business, whether it was at a duck lodge, whether it was at a conservation event. It is truly an awesome program. Learn more about it at jackdaniels.com. The Single Single Barrel Program. We've been involved for the last five years. I'm looking at two of my barrels right now. We just got our 2023 barrel in the Single Barrel Rye. Absolutely mesmerizing. My brother Clint's old fashions with it speak for themselves. It's the Jack Daniels Single Barrel Program. Check it out. Learn about it. I hope you decide to visit Lynchburg, Tennessee and get your own barrel. Thank you very much. We've had the provider mentality for a long time. Growing up and watching dad and mom cook wild game, whether it was an Italian lasagna or a spaghetti, I watched in awe and I couldn't wait to be old enough to do it. Then we got to travel and meet all of these different chefs at all these different lodges in Argentina and Uruguay or Paraguay or Arkansas or Missouri or Chef Mark Lindsay who you hear on the podcast, This Life Ain't For Everybody, a lot up in Minnesota at Trapper's Landing, part of the Reed's family of brands. And I started to learn so many different unorthodox, out-of-the-box ways of preparing Mr. Billy Bogey smothered deer steak at Prairie Wings Duck Club in Arkansas or the duck empanadas at Duck Guides of Argentina. And they all became part of the Provider Cookbook, the Provider Mentality at theproviderlife.com, our rubs, our original 10 in the Ultimate Pack, including the swine and the flaky, the spawn, the drop time, the foul, the crosshairs, the Brit, the dragon, the Sonora. Then we introduced the brand beef rub and the mother cluck and chicken rub. And you can find recipes at theproviderlife.com. Check out the Provider TV on the My Outdoor TV app, Mo TV, part of the Outdoor Sportsman's Group and the Outdoor Channel family of brands. We got more coming. We got so much more coming. Good luck out in the field. Good luck out on the rivers. I hope you get those wild turkey nuggets and that pickle juice right away and get ready to throw down with some different rubs on them. The provider lifestyle. We're so honored to live it. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be outdoorsmen, hunter, gatherers, conservationists, and providers. Again, theproviderlife.com. Thank you for visiting. We travel a lot. We're up and down America's highways, byways, thoroughways, cornfields, dirt roads, back roads, country roads. Love seeing that dust in our rear view. Love looking over and seeing the sunset, the sunrise, mallard ducks pitching in to a pond in Kansas, a coyote howling in Wyoming, an antelope standing on the side of the road in Nevada. We get to do this all through Ford trucks. Corning Ford, Paul. Francis, the entire crew, the customer service, the service department, the selection, the dedication to excellence and quality, the number one Ford Super Duty dealer in the West United States five years in a row. They're in the top 10 in the country and they're in a little tiny town, Corning, California. 5,000 people deep maybe, but the construction, the farming, the ranching, the almonds, the walnuts, the olives, the duck hunting, the fishing, the deer hunting and turkey hunting, predator hunting, you name it. 
Corning Ford is part of it. They support our lifestyle, their pricing. They refuse to mark them up. Give them a try. They'll deliver your truck anywhere in the country. They've delivered them to Alaska, Florida, so many to Nevada, so many to Northern California, all over Arizona and Colorado. They've delivered three to Tennessee. They delivered one to Minnesota to our friend Andrew at Wild Acre Kennels. It's Corning Ford. They support the outdoors, and there's nothing better than a Ford truck. These 2023 Ford Super Duties, F-250s, F-350s, the long bed, the short bed, the tremor package. Watch your speed. Set that cruise control because sometimes you'll look down and be like, I'm not going that fast. Something's got to be broken. And you're pulling a trailer, and you got a leered topper on the back of it. The bed of your truck is full. They're meant for hauling. They're meant for towing. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Paul. There's nowhere better in the country to buy your next Ford vehicle or Ford Super Duty truck than Corning Ford. Thank you all for supporting them. There's a secret on every label of Jack Daniels. What does the old number seven really mean? There are many theories, but Jack took that one to his grave. What's the seven stand for in old number seven? There's some people think that it came from the number seven train. Some people that think that it was seventh formula that he made. There's some that think it was maybe the still site was number seven. I don't know if anybody truly, truly 100% knows the number. It's just part of the lore, Jack. Yeah, for sure. Life's too short for a single sip. So become a friend of Jack at Jack. JackDaniels.com and chum around with old number seven, Jack and Coke, Single Barrel, Gentleman Jack, Bonded, Tennessee Honey, Tennessee Fire, and Tennessee Apple. Now back to Chad, Casey, Chris, and Mike. You know me, I love Jack Daniels. They love the brand. Uh, what do you, what, that's a good point. When you start talking about 170 plus countries and then you bring it domestic into the States, lower 48. With all the minorities, we're a melting pot. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We're that's what America's always been built on. Our ancestors came over to Ellis Island. I I just went there and looked up my both sides, Czechoslovakia and Italy. Right. Right. It's pretty cool that we got this opportunity. This what's a blessing, right? Um, but when you start talking about minorities, is there studies? How because it's serving all these different countries. So is it just automatically assumed that? Oh, every minority that makes their home in America now will be a Jack Daniels no. user? Well, look, you don't become the world's most popular whiskey without having a vast range of consumers that uh, choose to, to pick you up. But the United States is an extremely diverse country. The way consumers think about Jack Daniels in Miami is different than they think about it in Chicago, which is different than they think about it um, here in Saskatchewan, right? And so we're constantly trying to understand consumer behaviors. Uh, we're not going to change who we are as Jack Daniels, but how do we bring it to them in a way that's going to be pleasing, acceptable? There's different flavor profiles. It could be uh, different mixers, for instance. And so at the end of the day, though, Jack Daniels values never change. They're the same. Whether you're in Miami, Chicago, or Saskatchewan, or whether you're in Croatia or in Australia, they're the same everywhere. And I think that's one of the things, as long as we continue to stick to that, this brand will forever be I agree with, that. with all demographics, all populations, all over. CT, when you hear Casey talk like that, you live in a state that very rarely, well, you know, Scottsdale, Phoenix doesn't get real cold. We talked about snowbirds and Flagstaff, you know, you're going to get snow there. Yeah. You got some ski resorts, but where you live, it's predominantly a warm state. You have a lot of different nightlife there. You have a lot of restaurants, great food around there. Mexican food in that area of our country is amazing. You yeah. That's more of a tequila, margarita-based business. How does a business like Jack Daniels do in an area that, because a lot of people don't associate a whiskey drink with poolside. I don't know if this makes sense, but it's the daiquiris, it's the tequilas, yeah. it's the the vodka drink. You go to MGM pool party in Vegas on the Strip, 
It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you don't go get a Jack Daniels right. when it's 90 degrees outside and you're right. in a swimming pool. Yeah. It'll, you know, some might, but how does it do in an area that's predominantly warm throughout the season like yeah, that? You know, it does very well. First of all, Jack has a great base of at-home consumers. So, in Arizona, we probably do 75 to 80% of our business with at-home consumer, meaning we're selling it to retail, whether it be big grocery chains, club stores, drug stores, independent liquor stores. And then the, the 20% that is done through the on-premise, you're right, it's not nightclub business. We'd like to try to get some of that nightclub business, but it's not really there yet. Um, it's more sports bars. It's casual dining. Um, does really well in the resorts, but in the inside restaurants. It's not a poolside drink at this point in time, right? That's margaritas and slushy drinks and you know things like that. So, so does Jack Daniels, like let's take the new Jack and Coke in the camp. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, right? You know, it used to be Jack and Cola, yep. and now it's actually with the iconic brand Coca-Cola. Yeah. Is Jack and Pepsi good? Are you allowed to talk about another? Uh, uh, I think Jack is here? good with whatever you choose to purchase. Okay, I get that. Yeah. I get that. But Jack, Jack and, and Cola, the, the Jack and Coke partnership, though, is a mega, mega deal. I mean, as big and iconic as Jack Daniels is, Coca-Cola is infinitely larger and even more iconic around mm -hmm. the world. Right. <clears throat> and, and so this is something that Jack and Coke has been one of the top 10 most popular drinks for decades. But this is the first time we've ever been able to put those two iconic trademarks together in a single serve can and offer it to consumers, not just domestically here in the U.S., but we're taking that all throughout the world. And it's a hugely, hugely popular drink. Australia, Japan, all throughout Europe, South Africa, parts of uh, South America. And of course, right here at home, we're working really hard with these guys to bring this out to our consumers and offer them an opportunity to enjoy Jack in a different way. So the Jack and Coke partnership is it's less than a year end. It's extremely yeah. exciting. Yeah, fair to say. Yeah, I mean, we're, five, yeah. we're four or five months in. Um, the brand's doing great. The the RTDs are are doing fabulous. It's another avenue, but that category is flooded. Uh, but Jack and Coke and Coke Zero are accelerating that category better than their company. Wait, they have a Jack and Coke Zero now? In a yeah. So it's yeah. Jack and Coke uh -huh. and Jack and Coke Zero are the two SKUs. And then they have Honey and Lemonade, yeah. which were part of the old line. So before they redid the partnership with Coke, they had flavors. So they had like a Jack and Apple ginger ale um, and then Honey and were the other two. And then a Jack and Coke and then they did well, they call it Casey. There was one. There's been several innovations like, over the Coke, years. no sugar thing. Yeah. But they couldn't use drop. Coke. They could, so it was cola. Yeah. Now no, that's hard. They partnered up with Coke, and it's thrown it over the edge because of the recognition between two iconic brands. Do you, you see, do you see that? See in your in your job with Breakthrough, you've been there a while. Um, we we work with Breakthrough in Nevada. Mm -hmm. um, I'm lucky enough to work with Kayla Wells. Great guy, yep. out there. Great guy, super guy. Um, when you're a distributor, though, and this is going to be public knowledge because people are going to hear this, do you have to put the same energy into every line? You know, some people talk about our sales rep groups and what we do. You know, like you, somebody said you lead with Jack, right? Well, the sales rep group that carries Benelli shotguns leads with Benelli, that, and then this yep. guy gets a little bit of it, and then you know, my little duck call company might get five minutes or a catalog thrown mm -hmm. on the desk and take a look at that if you have time. Is it the same in the spirits business when you represent so many different brands? It is for us, yeah, for sure. And you know, we business is about money, right? So uh, it's not a dirty word. Yeah, so Brown Foreman to us is a top three supplier. Massive for us. Massive amount of revenue, massive amount of gross profit, pays a lot of bills, employs a lot of people. So, of course, Brown Foreman gets 
they even have a dedicated selling division. I mean, that's how important they are to us. And so there's a tremendous amount of energy and investment that goes into the Brown Fulman portfolio. What does it take that company to get that maintenance or that introduction? You know, it's a little bit of luck. You know, if they have good press, if they get some people behind it, you know, endorsers behind it, social influence, obviously, this, this day and age, social influencing is huge. So, you know, we do a lot of that ourselves in terms of, hey, if you get a Jack feature at a bar, make sure they put it on their Instagram feed, right? We want to create that excitement and make sure they're seeing Jack. So, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, some of those incubator brands, we take them on in hopes that a Brown Fulman might purchase them one day. Because when, when a company like Brown Fulman buys an incubator brand, we can grow. We rarely crank it up. That's yeah. something that we've been doing more. Yeah, they've yeah, been getting great at innovation. They bought Gin Marais. They bought Forge Gin. And brands like that, when they, come, when they come under the Brown Foreman umbrella, now it's like, okay, here we go. We're going we're gonna to crank it when up. When you start talking about what he was saying, I'll see if he was saying, Casey, on the celebrity endorsement, let's take. You got The Rock that's kind of tequila. Ryan Reynolds did well with the gin. You have Conor McGregor that did well with Proper 12 and made some money on it. There's some other ones of George Clooney and here Farner did the yeah, Cosmic Figures. Um, Jack had Frank Sinatra for free in the late 60s and early 70s that kind of helped pull off the brand. Has there been any others, like uh, actual endorsement of a celebrity to where you guys leaned on celebrities? Uh, like you guys have never paid David Allen Coe or Dean Dillon or Chase Rice to sing song or Justin Morrison, Jack Daniels and Jesus. And you guys don't pay for that. I mean, it's the most sang about spirit of all time. Right. Um, you know, brand wise. Yep. Beer's probably more but, songs but as a whole. Celebrity deals aren't always a grand slam. We disproportionately hear about the successes. What you don't hear about is how many of them failed. Sure. And there are yeah. a lot of them that yeah. have failed. Have there been some grand slams that you just mentioned? Absolutely. 100%. Um, and we are a brand that has benefited from generations of pop culture influence. And it did. It started with, with Frank Sinatra. Absolutely. And through the generations, this is a brand that um, particularly through music, but even more so broader pop culture has benefited uh, because of its iconic nature, artists use it as a proxy for whatever it is that they're trying to say in their song. Consumers get it. It's a one word name. When you say Jack, people get what you're talking about. And so now that being said, the monetization of fame has changed tremendously in the last couple of decades. Uh, people don't sell albums anymore. <clears throat> Musicians aren't relying on record sales or CDs. Um, so how they're monetizing fame has absolutely changed. And that has made us alter how we think about things. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of relationships. We grow them organically. We invest in these relationships early on, but we can't be everything to everybody either. And so it's easy to go and grab one of these celebrity success stories and say, oh, gosh, we need to do that. We also need to remember that we've been a beneficiary of this for generations of building those relationships. I'll tell you what I think is really cool about Jack, too, and it shows the power of the brand. Ralph Warren will do some sizzle reels every once in a while for our sales teams to show all the free press that Jack has gotten over the last five or six years or whatever. And they'll do clips from movies. And I mean, think about it. Christmas vacation. What's the one with Jack? Yeah, Fage, yeah. right. The dad goes and says, I'm going to need some Jack. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Al Pacino. I know him call his jo I know him so well as John, right? And yeah. I forget the name of that movie, right? I'm not the Scent of a Woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scent of a Woman, right? And uh, you think about all the movies that Jack Daniels has been in because it just fits so appropriately because of what Jack stands for. It's it's powerful, right? And look, a lot of them they got for free. It goes back to 
big iconic brands are going to be thrust in oh, conversation and some are going to be good and some are going to be bad. It's what we do about it. What do we control? And responsibility is absolutely a huge pillar of everything that we do, whether it's the words on the back of the bottle or the resources, our partnerships with um, different groups, um, how we provide safe ride programs, hydration stations. Anytime we do an event where Jack Daniels shows up in an official capacity where we, were th we are there, we're sponsoring or whatever it is, there is going to be a safe alternative because responsibility is paramount. If we lose that, then we, we, we're volunteering ourselves to be more at risk of those sort of things. But we can't control what somebody decides to author about our brand. Um, if anything, I think it's a testament to the fact that the brand matters in the hearts and minds of consumers, songwriters, musicians, movie producers, and they choose to grab our brand and they think it stands for something. What is the difference between a bourbon and Jack Daniels? Jack Daniels is a Tennessee whiskey, which is follows everything that bourbon does plus one more thing. We call it the extra blessing. That's charcoal filtration or leaching or what we call a charcoal mellowing process. So we take that sweet sugar maple, we uh, burn it ourselves in ricks, we smash it down into small little um, uh, charcoal particles, we pack it into a vat, and we drip our new make whiskey through that, about 10 feet of that. It takes several days to work its way from the top to the bottom. It removes a lot of the impurities. It does not add anything. That's one clarifier that's often uh, people misconstrue. They say charcoal adds something. It's just like having a Brita filter at your in your home uh, for water. It does nothing to add flavor. It does 100%. It just removes some of the oily fatty acids. It strips impurities. It strips impurities. So what you're getting is a cleaner distillate coming out of the back side of it. It goes into the barrel. And then from there, you know, it does a taging process. We cut it to proof. We bottle it. Gentleman Jack is special because it goes through that process twice. Once before the barrel, just like every bottle of old number seven. But then once it's done with its aging process, it goes back through that process again. Not a full 10 feet, a little bit less than that because we don't want to take all that flavor out. But that's why Gentleman Jack is an exceptionally sweet whiskey. So you're saying that the charcoal mellowing doesn't add anything? Does that include color? Correct. So all the color comes from the wood? 100% of the color of any whiskey that is a straight whiskey or, or bourbon designate um, is from the barrel, 100%. We cannot clear, add- In clear and out clear. We cannot add any coloring at all um, to be a Tennessee whiskey or bourbon for that matter. It goes into the charcoal clear, comes out clear. So yes. Yeah. Then goes into the barrel and then four to seven years later, now yeah. with, Bingo. Now at the 10 year, the 12 year, 10 or 12 years later, how, how is that offering done for Jack Daniels? Because I love both of those. <laughs> They're incredible. They've been Look, absolutely- You can't find them all wrong. It really irritates me. I, I wish we had more of it. And, yeah. and hopefully in the future we can. But again, that decision was made a long, 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 long time ago. Um, we only have the whiskey available that we made back then. And uh, we offered 10 year, two years ago. This year we offered batch two and we introduced batch one of, um, I'm sorry, batch one of Jack Daniels 12 year. Tremendous response from the consumers. We're putting these a little bit higher proof which is being able to show off that extra character that they pick up in the warehouse for those extra years. Uh, you'll see it in the color. That's the first thing you see. If you were to take an old number seven, a single barrel, bond it, and put a jack 10 or 12, you're gonna see that the 10 and then the 12 are so much darker. Give me one theory of how old number seven got its namesake or why it's on that label. Is there a true story? Does anybody know? There's some people that think they know. Chris Fletcher's got a story that he thinks is pretty accurate, but there's nothing that's written down. That's one of the top two questions that we're asked. You already asked one of them, which makes Jack Daniels 
Jack Daniels or is Jack Daniels a bourbon? That would be one of the most common questions. We talked about that. The second would be, what's the seven stand for in old number seven? So there's some people think that it came, barrel came from the uh, uh, the number seven train when it was delivered to a particular city. There's some people that think that it was uh, the seventh formula that he made that happened to be his favorite. There's some that think it was maybe the, the still site was number seven and it was named after that. Uh, there's even, there's a TV commercial that we made about 12, 15 years ago that actually goes through all these different theories. One. Uh, one of the kitschier ones is that he had seven girlfriends, but the seventh was the favorite. Uh, so I don't know about that one. But so there's all kinds of theories, all sorts of theories. But uh, I don't know if anybody truly, truly 100% knows the number. It's just part of the lore detecting. Yeah, for sure. Great to have a little mystery. Is it the number one call? And somebody told me it's the number one call in, in American bars. Brandy yeah. call. So top 10 cocktails. All right. Um, there's only one that's a brand. So you could go in there and say uh, maybe the number one drink, which blows my mind, is a margarita. That blows my mind. Like, really? I know. There's no way. Nobody orders a margarita unless they're tequila. Tequila's, tequila's, on, tequila's on fire. But tequila's not a margarita. It's in a margarita, but it's But it's the most popular drink of one of the fastest growing spirit categories. Yeah. And Mexican food is just so hugely popular. It's available anywhere. And How anywhere. are there so many tequilas when you can only make it in one part of the world? Or are people faking this out? People saw the writing on the wall. The popularity of tequila was going to explode. And so, how did they get it? They're, so, they're all going to that one little region and getting that one agave. And so, while the last few years, people have been planting agave everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you go down there. I was just down there about a month and a half ago, and there is literally agave planted everywhere. The side of the road, in between roads, yeah. it's anywhere they can put agave. It's being planted. But that agave is not going to yield anything for years. You just got to be patient. It's no different than once we put it in a barrel, we got to wait, right? It's like being there. It's like being yeah. like like the And then just think about this. After that, some of these tequilas, whether it's Reposado or Añejo or an extra Añejo, they then go into an aging process just like bourbon, and then they got to wait even more. Yeah. So tequila, I think, is a fascinating category that's really drafting off of a lot of what made whiskey great. It's a real product. There's story. There's craft nature to it. It's complex. They're different. Um, yet they're pretty darn approachable. So the tequila category has been great. Our two brands, Aradura and El Himidor, have been uh, phenomenally successful for us over the last 10 years. That was an acquisition. Going back to a comment that yeah. you made earlier, yeah. uh, we bought those brands when they were very, very great, small. Great we now they've turned into very significant yeah. business. Great yeah. guy. Are these, are these phases here to stay like Jack Daniels is? Because... Yeah, like a huge explosion of microbrews. And that's kind of seems like it's it's still there, but it's like, and then all of a sudden it was seltzers. And that's kind of like, uh, I don't even know if that explosion's still there. I mean, it came on hot, right? Um, you then a lot of these vodka drinks were so popular. I'm not saying they're not popular anymore, but it, was, it seemed like a phase to me. Is tequila a phase or does it have the staying power in the romance of whiskey? Well, I think we don't have a crystal ball in yeah. the future, right. but what we can do is look back over the last 60 to 70 years, or really since Prohibition ended in 1938, when you can see trends in beverage alcohol have ebbed and flowed. There's entire categories that have sort of faded into uh, nothingness, and there's categories that have absolutely exploded. Um, we do have a, a company that the industry relies on called IWSR, who tries to do their best to project where we think the future is. So it's rooted in real-time data, what's going on right now, and it's projecting consumer behaviors for the future. And they absolutely project that tequila is going to continue to uh, do very, very well. But in general, let's back up the subcategories of beverage alcohol, spirits. So distilled spirits have been on the consistent rise, um, unfortunately, to the beer and the wine side of the business at their expense. Right. So spirits have been on the rise. 
uh, wine and beer have been on the decline yeah, I mean, for the yeah. better part of the last decade. For sure. So when you guys think about your careers, we're going to end it by talking. You guys can each have a little comment on this. When you think about your careers in the spirit industry, has it been one that you have to really be disciplined? Because it just seems like, and, and I can apply it to what I do, is like, it's always there. It's always available. Yeah. It's always a party. It's always a dinner. It's always a glass of wine or a glass of bourbon or a glass of Jack Daniels or take a customer to Lynchburg and, yeah. and you're doing a whiskey tasting and, and then you're on barbecue hill and you might have whatever it is. It's always there. Like, have you guys had to really, really discipline yourselves of 35 years, 35 years in the business? You're, you're young, you're 42, but you've been there a while and you're, you, you know, you got a good a, a really good projection, I would say, of staying in it for a while. Does it worry you? Has it ever worried you? Have you had to really, you can start CD, but have you had to really like sit back and go, damn it, man, I got to really, yeah. really chill out or, yeah. or like I got to make sure that I'm a good leader. I got to make yeah. sure my team knows. And I know that there's designated driver yeah. programs at the Christmas parties and stuff, but personally, yeah. has it ever become a struggle? You know, it's funny you'd ask that question because yeah, it's something that we're always cognizant about, you know, I don't go to a dinner without an Uber these days. If I'm only going to have two drinks, I take an Uber because I don't want the aggravation if somebody bangs into the back of my car. I have to explain, uh, officer, I only had two drinks, right? I mean, it's not worth my aggravation. I tell people my Uber ride to dinners generally are about the same cost as my first drink or two, so why not, right? So Uber, social responsibility, and watch yourself. For sure. I like it. I want to go on to the supplier side about, you know, because these guys represent the wholesalers, but on the supplier side, ultimately, uh, we produce these products and ship them around the world. And if and when there's an issue, it's our name on the bottle. Within our company, we have um, an ERG employee resource group called PAWS, which um, is for people who choose to abstain, who work in our, in our industry, as well as their allies. So the people that... Um, find that work extremely meaningful and important, of which there is tons of people. They not only provide employee resources for people to be successful and thrive within this industry, but also provide resources for us to take our brands around the world in a very responsible manner. So previously, I shared some of the examples of the things that we do. Uh, we really lean into that group to make sure we do that in a big way. And you hit the nail on the head. I was in a meeting just a few weeks ago, a training where uh, we were learning about scotches from the different scotch regions because we own three scotch brands. It started at 9 a.m. and there was there was scotch lined up there. Um, that doesn't mean that you need to drink it. We were there to learn. Some people chose not to. You can learn a lot about a product just by smelling it, by looking at the color, looking at it in the glass. And some people, um, including master distillers, master tasters, they've mastered the art of being able to put a product in their mouth, roll it around their tongue, take in the flavors, and then spit it out. And so there's a lot of different ways that you can be successful and navigate this category, but you're 100% right. Um, it certainly could be a, a problem for some people, and it has been, um, and probably always will be, but we're going to continue to provide the right resources available for folks so that they can make good choices. Good choices, moderation, responsibility, don't accept underage drinking. You know, I preached that on my podcast all the time. You bet. Um, yeah. I love the Jack Daniels brand. I think that what it stands for, what it's doing in Lynchburg, what it's doing around the world, what your guys' team is doing, being a part of it is so, I never say humbling because I always like to have humility, but it's an honor 
Um, I take a lot of pride in it, but I also always ask those questions because I do know that it can go the other way. And I look in the mirror a lot and and want to make sure that I don't get there. There's a lot of, uh, in my life, it's a lot to do with balance. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be a better version of myself every day. I want to be healthy and, and get as much exercise as I can and as many steps in and elevate my heart rate. And, and then when I do go on a trip like this, I know that I'm going to have good times and do it responsibly. You know, you don't have to get to that point every single time that you touch a spirit. And I've always talked about that of like, man, it's just like you hear those songs about Jack Daniels about not feeling good the next day. It can happen if you're not careful. Sure. And I don't like that feeling at all. So, but I do love enjoying a Jack Daniels beverage. We're going to do one right now. I appreciate y'all being here, guys. Cheers. 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 Salute. Cheers. Fun week, guys. Cheers. The flight for everybody brought to you by Here's the bird, Jack Daniels. Chad, here's to you and your team. Thank you for hosting us and having us here with Buck Paradise. Outfitters, unbelievable group. Having you here made it that more special. Your calling and everything. Unbelievable watching you work. Well, thank you. Uh, over the last few days. Look forward to doing that experience many more times. You should see me in the turkey woods, Mike. <laughs> uh, well, we're, hey, we're going down though. We're going down. We're going down to my buddy's place. <laughs> Thanks, CJ. Uh, we'll do it out. I, I would love to. Take you down to Walters. It's a great spot. This is Jack Daniels. This life ain't for everybody. I'm fired up. We're going to go uh, have an unbelievable dinner with Ray Ray up here. Yep. Last night with Jack Daniels in Canada. And um, it's been an awesome four days. So thank you all. Thank yep. you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. What Good song enough. should we go out with? Jack Daniels, if you please. <laughs> David Alaco. Jack Daniels, if you please. Didn't do me wrong Jack Daniels if you please We'd like our bourbon with the extra blessing, please. What is the difference between a bourbon and Jack Daniels? Jack Daniels is a Tennessee whiskey, which is everything that bourbon does plus one more thing. We call it the extra blessing. That's charcoal filtration or leaching or what we call a charcoal mellowing process. Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belding is proud to partner with Jack Daniels Flask App, Scoreboard Nashville, Benelli, and Corning Ford. Chad and the crew will wrap This Life Ain't For Everybody after the break thanks for listening have you heard of the fun button flask cap has reinvented the way we use tumbler cups everybody's got a tumbler cup come on let's admit it this tumbler cup is different the matic lid is different the six the nine nobody wants glass in their boat nobody wants glass anywhere because of what can go wrong if you go into your buddy's boat and glass breaks that's a no-no so you got your mixers in the cool you might have a two liter of coca-cola classic coke zero you might have some club soda in a plastic bottle or a can stuff that doesn't break and get glass that's nasty and will cut your feet up like no tomorrow the flask cap allows you to store your spirits your jack daniels in that matic lid and with one touch of that fun button it disperses a shot into your mixer down there with your ice your coke whatever it is you can have vodka you can have gin you can have tequila we choose jack daniels tennessee sour mash whiskey and you have your cocktail for the day remember to enjoy it in moderation never allow underage drinking be safe but flask cap supports the culture of the american outdoorsman the american outdoor enthusiast and they keep it safe they keep it ethical and they keep it fun the entire brand the culture the messaging is exactly what we're all about here at the foul life we're proud and honored to be teamed up with flask cap check them out at flask cap f-l-a-s-k-a-p.com and you are going to be so happy and take pride get your name on it get your logo engraved on it 
Again, it's all about moderation. It's all about safety. Be careful with that fun button. One is enough. Two can be a lot of fun. Three is way too many, but you're going to keep that glass out of the boat off of those beaches and you're going to have a blast consuming alcohol through the flask cap. Again, thank you for supporting flask cap. I'm Chad Belding with the Foul Life Podcast and the Foul Life Television. Thank you all very much. Looking for a high-quality truck accessory that's built to last? Look no further than Lear. With over 50 years of experience in the industry, these guys know what it takes to make your ride look and performance best. Whether you're looking for a fiberglass or aluminum cap, a hard or soft cover, or accessories to customize your truck, Lear's got you covered. Their products are made with only the best materials, and their innovative features provide added convenience and security for truck owners. Head over to Lear.com to explore their range of products and take your driving experience to the next level. It's called Banana. Benelli's the foul life for a reason. We love Benelli. They are the top shelf of waterfowl shotguns, all shotguns for that matter, in my opinion. But when you start talking about duck blinds, goose blinds, lay down blinds, panel blinds, pit blinds, the debris, the wear and tear, everything that we put our guns through throughout a duck season, whether it's a 60 day duck season in the south or you start up north and north of the border in Canada, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and follow the migration south. Some of us, myself included, hunt over 120 days a year. And every single time I squeeze that Benelli trigger, it goes bam. I'm so proud and honored to be part of the Benelli family and when it comes to the Super Black Eagle 3 the 12 gauge the 20 gauge the 28 gauge I absolutely love this line of shotguns the inertia every single thing from the rib down to the sight to the choke tube to the constrictions the performance is what it's all about with Benelli the Super Black Eagle series in 12 gauge 20 gauge and 28 gauge whether you get Rob Roberts to build the performance shop or you keep them straight out of the box factory they perform they're simply perfect it's Benelli it's the confidence of shouldering that shotgun and the responsibility of pointing it at a live animal and squeezing that trigger the dispatch humane ethics everything that goes into it Benelli believes in the culture of the duck hunter the goose hunter the turkey hunter the upland hunter so whether you're doing sporting clays whether you're chasing waterfowl chasing upland chasing turkeys Benelli builds a shotgun for you Benelli's the foul life they're 13 seasons as our title sponsor can you imagine this relationship thank you benelli thank you all for supporting benelli and i know it's all of our goal to walk into that sporting good that benelli dealer that store and say let me shoulder that super black eagle and now you can do it in so many gauges the sub gauges included we're fired up good luck this season stay safe out there and shoot straight shoot benelli it's last call on jack daniels presents this life ain't for everybody this is the last call for alcohol this evening oh responsibility is absolutely a huge pillar of everything that we do whether it's the words on the back of the bottle or the resources how we provide safe ride programs hydration stations anytime we do an event where jack daniels shows up in an official capacity where we are there there is going to be a safe alternative because responsibility is paramount drink responsibly and catch every episode of Jack Daniels Presents This Life Ain't For Everybody on SoundCloud, iHeart, Spotify, and thislifeaintforeverybody.com or on your preferred streaming platform. Here's to you and the great times ahead. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. (laughs) 